You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another episode today. And if you didn't already do this, make sure to check out yesterday's episode. We have former Iowa punter Michael Sleep Dalton on the show talking about everything with the special teams, talking about how he knew Charlie Jones was going to be special, talking about his relationship with Tory Taylor and the greatness of LeVar Woods, Iowa's special teams coach. But that being said, on today's show, we're going to be breaking down the upcoming men's basketball game, Iowa versus Western Illinois. We also have press conference takeaways from Kirk Ferentz. Then we're going to wrap up with the metrics that matter segment covering the Illinois versus Iowa game on Saturday. Hopefully we get an opportunity to bring to you a crossover episode tomorrow, but I'm having a little bit of difficult difficulties getting a hold of some Illinois experts. Um, just must not be a lot out there. Maybe they just don't like Illinois football. I don't know, but I'll let you. I'll keep you posted on the Thursday episode. If not, we'll be bringing you an episode, uh, obviously Sunday with Matt Vandenberg, and five episodes next week. So apologies if we don't get an episode out tomorrow. Before we get into our three main topics of discussion today, lots of news and tidbits that I haven't had an opportunity to really get to. I know the college football playoff rankings came out last night. I'm recording this prior to that because I do want to get to bed at a decent time and I have some other work to do. So I'm not sure where they're ending up. Like I said, they're probably not going to jump up too much. Um, But let's get into some of the other news and notes that I haven't covered. Keith Duncan named co-special teams player of the week. Caitlin Clark co-freshman of the week, which is fantastic considering uh, she was a five-star recruit, obviously already showing up right now. The women have a basketball game against Drake tonight as well, so make sure to tune into that. Ryan Creener signed the Leuven Bears over in Belgium, I believe. Luca Garza named Big Ten Player of the Week. No surprise there either. And two former Iowa basketball players signed NBA contracts. Jared Utoff signed a one-year deal with the Pelicans. And Tyler Cook signed with the Timberwolves for a camp contract. That's the news and notes. Let's hop into the Western Illinois versus Iowa preview. And again, not much to really cover here other than the fact that Iowa should easily win this game. It is going to be a tune-up game because after this, the schedule starts getting a lot more difficult. No longer are we playing these teams ranked, you know, over 300 in Ken Palm. We're going to be getting some real, real basketball games very, very soon. University of North Carolina, we got Iowa State, and we got Gonzaga coming up in the next couple weeks. So this is the final, really the final tune-up game for Iowa. And they get Western Illinois. And this is this is a really interesting team to try to, to understand coming into this game. Last year, Western Illinois went 5-21 and with two of those wins coming against non-D1 teams. I equate that to basically 3-21. and Now, they didn't return a single starter from that team. Listen to this attrition that happened. Two graduated. Their star player transferred to Nebraska. Good luck there, buddy. Another transferred to Oakland University, and another went to University of South Dakota. That was their top five. They also, a couple of the other guys also left. They only returned, I believe, one of their top eight players. From last year's team, that's Anthony Jones, a guard who averaged five points and three boards. Now, that being said, for obvious reasons, they got rid of their coach because they were a terrible team. They brought in 
new coach Robert Jeter. He, if you might recognize the name, he coached at UW Milwaukee in the Horizon League for a couple of years, and he also was an assistant at Minnesota last year. So he's very familiar with Iowa, very familiar with Fran McCaffrey. He understands what Iowa is trying to do. So there's going to be some scheming there that allows him uh, a little bit more flexibility in this game. Obviously, defensively, they're going to play a little bit better than what you would typically expect, simply for just understanding what Iowa can do. That being said, again, this team lost a lot of people, and they are very young. Just check out the Western Illinois basketball roster online. There are a ton of freshmen. So let's look at this team. They did land one transfer uh, to Mel Pearson, six foot ten. Lots of so the thing here, he came from UAB. So again, not a powerhouse program, but that's good to get that. They also have two top 400 players: uh, Ramian Hinton, a six foot five shooting guard, and Marcus Watson, a top 300 player this past year. So those are freshmen. But again, especially in a COVID year, uh, younger guys, new freshmen, they're not going to be able to perform as well, especially when you're coming against a very experienced team in Iowa. Again, nothing to take for granted, but this team shouldn't be that difficult to overcome, especially when you look at. The size, Luca Garza is going to have an advantage outside of Tamel Pearson. I do expect him to get Pearson in foul trouble early, um, but Pearson's the only guy over six foot eight. This team has a ton of size in the wings, which actually bodes well for Iowa because they also have a lot of size in the wings. Iowa is not the tallest team in the nation, but from the two to the three, depending on the lineup too, even the one through the three, Iowa has a significant amount of size if Jabo or Joe Toussaint are not in the lineup. They have a lot of size there. So when you go up against a team like Western Illinois, when they do have a lot of size at those wing positions, that is not going to be a problem for Iowa when you have C.J. Frederick, a Joe Wieskamp, a Connor McCaffrey, one of those guys on, on top of those guys. When you look back at the history of UW-Milwaukee, though, not a great defensive team. Um, they've struggled defensively, and I think, again, they might know a few things simply from Robert Jeter being an assistant at Minnesota last year, again, having that familiarity with Iowa, but this should be a pretty easy game, especially offensively for Iowa. The one thing I look for here, though, is I expect Iowa to get out to a big lead early and then rest a lot of their guys as much as they possibly can. You want to get ready for UNC. You want to know your guys are ready. You want to get the rotations finalized. We're not sure if Jack Nungy's back at this point. Who knows? Um, obviously, again, condolences out to him and his family, um, but that'll be interesting as well to see how, if he is back, how he rotates in that lineup as they prepare for a UNC team that is in the top 25 coming in to that game. So that's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch this game. Um, obviously, I expect a lot of points from Iowa, and I do expect them to cover the spread um, if it is anywhere under 25-ish points. We, you know, I know some, some people got screwed on last the spread when uh, Southern shot a three-pointer for no freaking reason and made that, but um, again, should be a relatively easy game for Iowa to win, but wanted to at least, at least give you a little bit of a breakdown of what to expect from Western Illinois going into that game. Coming up on segment number two, though, we're going to be breaking down the press conference from Kirk Barron's and talking a little bit about what it meant, what he said, what it means, all that fun stuff, including some injury reports and rotational discussions. Before we get into that, though, I do have a message for you because if you're anything like me, you're always on the go. Whether it's working, whether it's podcasting, working out, hanging out with your family, sometimes you just need to take a moment to unwind, especially around the holidays. I'm sure everyone's stressing out a little bit, wanting to get the perfect present for your girlfriend, wife, significant other, uh, friend, family, whoever it may be. Sometimes you just need to take a second and relax and chill. And right now there's a ton of sports on, so you can take a seat on your couch, relax, watch basketball, football, whatever it may be, and grab yourself an ice-cold Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that is literally made to chill, and that is 
Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Like I said, it's made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, which is a perfect statement for what they are. Because Coors Light is from Colorado. They are crisp. It is delicious. It is the perfect refreshing drink. Just like going out and grabbing some, some nice cold air in Colorado. It is refreshing, brisk, just like Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose in I need to unwind though. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right. Have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, folks, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Light, a part of the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And sometimes when I'm pretty busy, I just need to take a second and grab a little snack. Sometimes you don't have enough time to grab a lunch or one of my go-tos is actually breakfast. I don't like making breakfast. So what I've been doing every single day is I try to work out in the morning and then afterwards I grab myself the best tasting protein bar ever and that is a Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious. 18 fantastic flavors. They keep coming out with some fantastic seasonal flavors as well. And these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Now, while these bars might be the most delicious protein bar on the market today, that doesn't mean they're not healthy because they are. They are so good for you from a health and nutrition standpoint as well. Otherwise, I wouldn't be grabbing it as my go-to food item right after a nice long workout. One of my favorite flavors is cookies and cream. Let me break this down from you nutritionally for, from a nutritional perspective. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. It's what you need in a protein bar. And again, you're basically getting a, a freaking candy bar with it as well. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And as a reminder, we might not have a show tomorrow, but we'll be back on Friday giving you the preview of the game. We're going to talk about the metrics that matter today, but on Friday's show, we're going to be breaking down the betting lines and also giving you the keys to winning the game versus Illinois. So stay tuned for that. But let's hop into the press conference takeaways for Kirk Ferentz. As you know, Kirk Ferentz speaks to the media every single Tuesday, and we break it down every single Wednesday. So let's get into the injury takeaways first. First and foremost, we know that Jack Plum struggled last week. When we talked about the analytics um, on yesterday's show, or sorry, I was on Monday's show, excuse me, Jack Plum struggled. He allowed four of the eight pressures. Koi Kronk uh, seems like, here, here's the takeaway that, you know, Kirk Ferentz said, or here's the, the the snippet. He said, I think Koi Kronk might have an opportunity to play some. He was dressed out the other day, just didn't really get any action. It's probably better for him to not have to play. So hopefully he's moving forward here, and we'll just kind of see where that all goes here. Now, why that's important is Illinois does have a relatively decent defense, and we know that Spencer Petras struggles under pressure. And Jack Plum allowed a lot, allowed a lot of pressure uh, with the Nebraska game. If Jack Plum continues to struggle, I expect to see Koi Kronk in the game. Now, that being said, Iowa has traditionally been very hesitant to put injured players out there, so I don't expect Koi Kronk to start, but I do expect him to play if Jack Plum struggles. Now, speaking towards Illinois, Kirk Ferentz obviously had some really great things to say about Coach Lovey Smith. He said, Coach Smith, historically in the NFL and in college, has a really good turnover takeaway team. Last year, I remember going into the game, they had an inordinate amount of takeaways. They are a good football team. They are opportunistic, fundamentally sound. The middle linebacker is a tremendous football player, very active. He's all over the place, and it's every single game. Now, you're going to get some information on this when we talk about the metrics that matter on segment number three, but Illinois is a fantastic takeaway team. Now, some of that has to do with some of the other games they played, but they are six in the nation in takeaways. And as we've seen, Spencer Petras can struggle a little bit with some of his decision-making. Illinois is not a team you want to struggle with against that because 
You start turning the ball over, that keeps bad teams in the game. It's exactly what happened versus Nebraska as well. You do not want to turn the ball over in any game, but especially when you have a game though you're clearly the more talented team. And that is the case going into this Illinois game. I was the more talented team, but you want to keep a team, you keep a team like Illinois hanging around, they have an opportunity to win. And you do not want to let that happen. Now, going on to general health, as we kind of talked about. Um, Iowa's done pretty well from a COVID perspective. We saw the Northwestern game this week get canceled. Who knows if Ohio State's going to actually play six games. We've seen a lot of Wisconsin games canceled. And Iowa is one of the only teams that's actually going to potentially finish an eight-game schedule that was originally put together. And here's what Kirk Ferentz had to say on that. He said, obviously they're doing well with social distancing and all that stuff. But he said, when they dropped the season or punted the season back on August 11th, we had a big spike right here. And I think that was a clear indicator. The players basically said the hell with it, and we were feeling the same way as coaches. Fortunately, didn't get COVID at the, that point, but that caused a spike, and guys said, hey, screw it. We're going to do whatever, whenever we want to do. Not everybody, but some guys did. It opened the door for the likelihood maybe of contracting this thing a little bit more. And I couldn't agree more. We we heard from some of the players as well, and they spoke to the fact that they know what they need to do to stay healthy, and they're trying to limit their circles as much as possible because they want to play football. And honestly... What a what a tremendous stand-up job for these players not having this many po- not having a lot of positives um, in the last couple months because they have been doing such a good job of being smart and being healthy and being you know clean uh, and not getting COVID and especially in a state you know as much you want to as much I hate to say it Iowa has struggled from a COVID perspective the state has so to see the Iowa football players do a great job is really a tremendous you know just a great job upstanding job by those guys to stay healthy throughout this time. Also, uh, an additional information about the schedule, because we don't know what's going to happen with the Big Ten Championship game. We haven't got a lot of information from Kevin Warren, which is a surprise to no one because he's a terrible commissioner, does a terrible job of providing any sort of guidance as to what the hell is happening in the Big Ten. Honestly, Kevin Warren should be fired for the way he's handled this entire process. Uh, Canceling the season, not providing any information as to why, then all of a sudden kind of going back as, oh, we've learned so much more since then. Uh, I'm clearly not a Kevin Warren fan. And it seems like they're continuing the inappropriate approach of not providing any information to anyone. And we'll probably see a lack of flexibility as well, given the fact that Ohio State might not play six games. What happens when that happens? Are they not going to let Ohio State play in the Big Ten Championship game? That's asinine. That's not what we should allow to happen. Anyways, here's what Kirk Ferentz had to say when asked the question about what the schedule is. He said, probably the last time I've heard anything about that would have been, I was going to say August, but it wouldn't have been August, probably September. You know, I've never been in a season where it's truly been more day-to-day, week-to-week than this year, and that's kind of how it should be anyway. But this year especially, you know there's so many moving parts out there, a lot I'm not aware of, but we'll just take it a day at a time, and selfishly, we want to make it to Saturday and be able to play Saturday when both teams are healthy and able to play, and then next week as that comes to, obviously Kirk Ferentz giving the PC approach here, just saying we're taking it one game at a time. What I read that as is, yeah, we haven't heard Jack squat from the Big Ten commissioner or his office. They don't have a plan in place yet. And that is a surprise to absolutely no one who's listened to this show because they've done, a again, a, a terrible job of handling this entire process, uh, putting out a schedule. The reason why we're having so many issues, you put out an eight-game schedule where you play every single freaking week. 
that is not okay. We knew there were going to be some cancellations, and they just didn't even provide a single ounce of flexibility into that schedule. And a lot of that was because they preemptively canceled the season without actually going through the entire process of what actually needed to happen. They didn't have the right people in the room in the first place. They canceled the season. They put themselves in this situation. They better get themselves out if they want to survive this from a, a, a standpoint of, of being successful at their jobs in in the big time they've been really terrible the especially kevin warren has been real bad at handling his job in my personal opinion i've been going on a rant on that though let's talk a little bit more positive stuff specifically on jack campbell who has been fantastic at that middle linebacker position since returning both him and seth have been really great and here's what kirk ferentz had to say on jack campbell he said it's fun to watch him train in the summer he trains so hard when the guys are out running he's one of the guys that really takes pride in doing his best he missed that early part of the season, but we're pretty confident whenever he got the chance. First game, he was a little rusty, but we felt like when he got the chance, he would look like he did in practice, which is pretty good. So it's a really, we talked about the running backs. You got two guys like Jack, and you've got Seth Benson, who has really played well, and Seth was under-recruited. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a heck of a football player. Same thing. He's got the right mentality to play. You get guys like that, it makes your whole team better, and both those guys do that. And we talked a little bit about this as well. These guys are great. This the linebacker position has been kind of in flux over the last couple of years. We talked about Matt Vandenberg, but now they are doing, I mean, this, these guys are young guys and they are setting this position up to be successful for the next couple of years. And there's a lot of really young guys behind them that also should be successful in this program. It gets me very excited about the middle linebacker and the linebacker position in general with the Iowa football program. So enough about all that. Let's hop into the metrics that matter. Before we do that, though, we have a few messages from our sponsors. Stay tuned after a few messages, and we'll get back into the metrics that matter and wrap up this show. Okay, before we hop into the metrics that matter, I just want to quickly remind you that every single Thursday, we have a crossover Thursday across the network for NFL and college football. Typically, we have our crossover show as well. I'm not sure that's going to happen because Illinois experts are not getting back to me, which is very unfortunate for, you know, for us to be able to not get a chance to listen to them. But since there might not be a show on Thursday, check out any one of your favorite NFL teams. They definitely have a Crossover Thursday show dropping tomorrow morning. Crossover Thursday is a great way to get a quick breakdown of every game for your fantasy team or for your parlay. Crossover Thursday is the only on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And let's get into those metrics that matter. If you're anything like me, you love metrics. I absolutely love looking through the metrics and getting a sense for what to expect from these teams game in and game out. So first up on metrics that matter, let's look at it a little bit because there are a few things that stand out to me. And the first thing is the rushing attack. So from an offensive perspective, Illinois rushes the ball pretty darn well. They're 19th in the nation with 220 222.4 yards in a game. They're kind of led by two guys, Mike Epstein and Chase Brown. Mike is averaging 6.1 yards per carry, Chase Brown 5.9 yards per carry. And really where they've been successful at is outside of the tackle. So outside of the tackle and then right up the gut is where they've been kind of shooting for. Where they've really struggled at is that right tackle spot. So hitting our left end, which would be Chauncey Golston. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of take on that and stop some of the outside stuff. So you know, we talk a little bit about with Matt Vandenberg, um, especially on some of the edge runs, having a guy kind of flow up and attack the, you know, the running back or the wide receiver. That'll be huge in this game, especially when Iowa's rushing defense has been pretty solid this year, but 
they've had a few gaps, right? So Iowa's rushing defense, 24th in the nation, allowing 109.3 yards. They struggled a little bit against Nebraska, especially on some of the edge type of stuff. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch for me. Passing yards-wise, Illinois hasn't done a lot. Uh, they're 114th in the nation, averaging 159.4 yards per game. That stat is misleading, though. And the reason why is Illinois was probably one of the most ravaged teams in the nation by COVID over a couple-week period. They lost three of their quarterbacks, especially, you know, the biggest one obviously being starter Brandon Peters, who is a former four-star recruit to Michigan, actually can throw the ball and has a bit of a ground element to his game. They are going to be better at throwing the ball excuse me, than what the advanced analytics say and what the stats say. Their leading receiver is, and I'm going to butcher this name. You know me if you've listened to the show. I'm not great with names. Josh Immortor BB. Um, he is their leading receiver, former four-star recruit who transferred from USC last year against Iowa, had four receptions for 36 yards. Not, to me, a game-breaker, but definitely the main target for Brandon Peters. And they're going up against a passing defense that is 42nd in the nation, Iowa allowing 213.5 yards per game. That is going to be interesting. And also the fact that Iowa is fourth in the nation in takeaways. Illinois is 70th in giveaways. Another opportunity for Iowa to uh, you know, force some turnovers here as they've done in every single game this season. Again, Brandon Peters, a better quarterback option than what they've had, though. He hasn't been, he hasn't been playing. He's only thrown one touchdown, no interceptions. The other quarterbacks have kind of struggled a little bit more, though. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brandon Peters, who is going to be their starter um, showing up in this game, Iowa versus Illinois. Now, looking at Iowa's offensive attack, passing-wise, we know where Iowa's kind of struggling at. It's been the passing game. They are not doing so hot there. 99th in the nation with 191.7 yards passing um, giveaways. Iowa's been 61st. That obviously went up a little bit at 1.3, but most of those giveaways have been at the result of Spencer Petrus. So in, in Illinois is a very capable team of turning or taking the ball away. As we talked about on segment number two, Kirk Ferentz talked a little bit about Lovey Smith and his ability to, um, you know, develop teams that force turnovers. Illinois is sixth in the nation with turnover or takeaways per game at 2.6 takeaways per game. Now that's a little bit skewed. They had eight versus Rutgers and Nebraska combined five versus Nebraska. If you take that away, they're at 1.6. You take those two games away. Now, granted, that'd be easier to do if we had a bigger sample size. Say, oh, take away these two games out of 10. But you're taking two out of five. That's 40%. Not a very good replication. But I just wanted to show you that the takeaways came against two pretty bad teams in terms of turning the ball over. But again, 1.6 puts Illinois in the middle of the pack. That being said, it is important, uh, not even just for Spencer Petras to not make some of those mistakes. He talked about it a couple of weeks ago, making the plays that are makeable. Let's also not make the plays that are not makeable. Uh, you know, forcing the ball to um, receivers when there's no one open. Throw the ball away. Live to see another day. I want to see that from Spencer Petras. The other issue I'm really worried about is fumbles. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw the controversy with Tyler Kluver and Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, you know, what Kluver said, in my opinion, was not appropriate how he handled it. Uh, you don't want to be calling out a teammate. Um, that being said, Amir Smith-Marset does seem to hold the ball uh, a little bit loose. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of fumbles overall from this Iowa football team, but it is going to be a point of emphasis this week. They need to take care of the ball across the board and not allow Illinois to take away. Now, 
where Iowa has an opportunity at is rushing the ball. As we saw versus Nebraska, now Nebraska did some pretty good things. Um, as some of the players talked about, they were mixing up some of their defensive alignments, which kind of confused Iowa's offense early on in the game, which is why we saw them do better in that second half. But Illinois' rushing defense, 95th in the nation, 194.6 yards allowed. Passing yards-wise, they're also 91st, allowing 253.6 yards per game. So they're allowing a lot of yards, but they're also forcing a lot of turnovers. This should be an opportunity, though, for Iowa to continue their two-headed you know, attack at running with Tyler Goodson, with Makai Sargent, uh, and not put the pressure or not put the ball into Spencer Petra's hands. We can win this game by not putting the ball in Spencer Petra's hands too much. Let's limit his ability to make mistakes. Let's get him some you know, easy reads, but let's get the running game established first. I know that's what Iowa wants to do anyways, but that's very important. Now, you look at some of the sacks. And we talk about the pressures, and Spencer Petras doesn't do well under pressure, as a lot, a lot of quarterbacks don't do well under pressure. But especially Spencer Petras has struggled significantly under pressure this year. And Illinois is 54th in the nation in sack percentage on defense. That's middle of the road. Um, but what that really means to me is I, I think Lovey Smith, being a defensive kind of guy, he's going to be dialing up the blitzes in this game, putting that pressure on Spencer Petras, loading the box for the run game, and forcing Spencer Petras to beat us. That's what I would do if I were a defensive coordinator. So despite the fact that I think Iowa wants to establish run and wants to get the running game going and not really put the ball in Spencer's hands, they're going to have to if they want to win this game, just like the story of every single game this year, basically. Stop the run for Spencer to pass. Now on the flip side of that, there is a big opportunity for Iowa's defensive line to get some pressure on Illinois. Illinois is 101st in the nation in sack percentage on offense. Some of that is because their quarterbacks have hold on, held on to the ball too long. Some of that is their their offensive line. Vidarian Lowe has allowed 10 pressures and 5 sacks at left tackle. That's a great opportunity for former transfer Zach Van Valkenburg, D2 transfer, to come in and make a big impact on that side. Also at center, I'm not sure who's going to be starting, but one of the guys who's gotten a lot of snaps at center has been Doug Kramer. I know he was out with COVID issues, but when he was in, he has been terrible at pass blocking at 27.9 PFF grade. That is so bad. That's next level bad. Um, that is going to create an interesting opportunity for a guy who I think could be an All-American, Davian Nixon, to get some pressure on Illinois quarterbacks, especially Brandon Peters. Now, we talk about Brandon Peters being a guy who hasn't played a lot this year, but he did some damage against Iowa last year on the ground. He is an effective runner with the ball in his hands. He's not a breakaway speed Justin Fields kind of guy, more of a Trevor Lawrence kind of guy, where he does have a 4-7, 4A speed and can and is willing to, I would say more 4-6, 4-7, is willing to put the ball on the ground and basically run. And I think last year he had 70-ish yards against Iowa. So when Iowa's gotten pressure, he's able to break contain. Now against Adrian Martinez and, and Luke McCaffrey, I thought Iowa did a really good job of containing them. That will be important, though, against Brandon Peters to not let him, uh, you know, continue to expand the drive and uh, extend the drive, I should say, extend the drive with his legs. I do think Iowa's going to be fine covering Illinois from a passing defense, also from a rushing attack. I think Iowa's going to do a solid job of stopping the run. But Brandon Peters, his ability to extend the game and extend the drives with his legs is going to be an issue for Iowa, one that I'm going to be paying very close attention to. The last thing I want to cover before we wrap up the show is special teams. And special teams is a huge thing in the Big Ten, and especially for Iowa football when we have a 
who should have been a Lou Groza Award winner at kicker. We got a 23-year-old Australian punter who's only punted in six games and doing phenomenal. And we got a former transfer from Buffalo, a walk-on transfer from Buffalo, Charlie Jones, who is tearing it up at the punt returner position. I think he could be in play for all Big Ten this year with um, some of his prowess in returning the ball. Now, when you look at Illinois, their their punter has gotten some notoriety, especially for his fake punt against Nebraska that was not planned. Um, he is also an Australian punter, and while he can boom the ball quite a bit, he struggles with hang time. His hang time's at 3.46. Now, when we talk to Michael Sleep Dalton, one of the things we would like to see from a hang time perspective is typically in that 4.546 range. That's pretty significant, and the reason why is he is allowed 26 returns, and he's allowing 7.7 yards per return. It means he's out kicking his coverage. Now, we've seen him in a couple games do a good job of letting you know, letting his coverage unit get down. That's only possible if you don't bring pressure, though. And so we've seen Iowa bring pressure in most games on the punter. I expect him to do the same, force him to punt the ball early or immediately and allow Charlie Jones to make some plays, uh, especially with the hang time at 3-4-6. Charlie Jones can get the ball and have 10 yards of running room right in front of him. And we've seen him make some pretty awesome moves when he gets the ball in his hands. When you look at it, so 26 returns, that's that's fine, but that's just a number, right? That doesn't really give you a lot of context. Now let's look at return percentage, which is 33.8%. So 33.8% of the punts he kicks, or punts, they have the ability to return. That's 34th in the nation. So, again, there are some opportunities there for Charlie Jones to return the ball. And anytime Charlie Jones gets the ball in his hands, I am excited to watch him run. It's always a game break. He's just one mi- one tackle away from a game-breaking opportunity, and he has been phenomenal at that return position. So, again, opportunities on special teams for Charlie Jones to make a big play for this Iowa Hawkeye football team. I do expect this to be a pretty close game simply because Illinois is a slow-moving team and because they like to run the ball. And we've seen Illinois do pretty well in these games. Uh, last year, they kept it pretty close. Just, I mean, despite the fact that Iowa was clearly in the lead the entire time, they still kept it pretty darn close. Special teams will be a big factor coming into this game. That does it, though, for our show. I hope we have a crossover show tomorrow. Stay tuned on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts to see if we do. I'll let you know for sure. Otherwise, we'll be back Friday morning, breaking down this game even in more detail. And again, back with our recaps with Matt Vandenberg, likely dropping Sunday, and then a full slate of episodes next week as well. I appreciate you all tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic day out there, Hawkeye Nation, and let's go Hawks.